money. money. The game everyone plays, but few win. Extracting the knowledge from the top 1%. Extracting the knowledge. And teaching you the ever-changing rules of play. It's time to level up and take control of the money game. Let's talk money. Big, big, big money. Yes! Sweet. All right. I'll, I'll get us started here. Welcome back to the money game. We got a, a special kind of old-time colleague and friend on the show today. How you doing, Bennett? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing so good, dude. We, we appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us. I know you are busy building the cookie empire right now. Yes. <laughs> Having fun with cookies. Dude, I love it. I love it. For some of you guys that it, don't follow Bennett uh, or are unaware of the cookie wars or just the cookie craze all around the country right now, Bennett is the founder and actually no longer CEO. You, you brought in a CEO of Dirty Dough, right? Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. Which we definitely want to talk about that. I think that's a, a really cool business tactic strategy that you're displacing yourself out of the business so fast. But obviously, anyone who's following the story right now knows you're, you're like super deep in the cookie game and the cookie building and there's so much craze and money and business and popularity around it. But I know, and I definitely want to get to how you actually got introduced and analyzed and executed on this. How, as you started building your business skill sets, what were some of the things just kind of going back a couple of years that actually like led to your capacity to be able to find and execute on this? Um, sales slash communication. You say sales and people are like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. It's like, no, I'm an expert communicator. Yeah, and and everybody should learn to be an expert communicator, and, and then guess what? If you are, then you're also an expert salesperson. Um, but sales or communication, whatever you want to phrase that, and also just the, the the mindset that I learned pretty early on of work to learn, not to earn. Hmm. Uh, go for knowledge, 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 knowledge. Build the skill set. Focus on who you're becoming and what you are learning, rather than how much money you're earning. Um, so I had both of those. I mean, the sales background is kind of forever from elementary school to, you know, lemonade stands, shaved ice stands on the corner, selling candy bars at school. So you've been a hustler I was knocking since doors day back. Junior high. Oh yeah. All, all the way back. Junior high, I was selling lawn aeration door to door. And then I was selling cookie dough to fund wrestling and rugby. That was, you know, to either you have money or you sell cookie yeah. dough. And both of them, um, both of those I did all throughout high school. Same thing with football. We sold those like starving student discount cards. Yeah. Um, and I also sold banners. I went and cold knocked businesses to say, hey, would you sponsor our football? Um, well, you know, it's 500 bucks, whatever it was. We'll throw up a banner for the season and then you pay for my football camp. So please. So, I, I've got a question just on some <laughs> and, of that. Uh, you, you said something, right? You either got money or you sell cookie dough. So I assumed, I, I don't know your, your childhood well at all. Like, was you know what what was money in the family obviously you're out selling to fundraise for your own sports like how did you come to the conclusion like dude i can just go hustle and take care of myself um i mean that was the only option well <laughs> I, I grew up single single mom nine kids okay you know it's there's 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 not a there's a lot of, a lot of money in that so it's it, do you want to go to football camp uh it's 150 bucks i don't have 150 bucks okay go sell a banner those, those are my two options. Don't yeah. go or go sell a banner. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to freaking talk to business owners. I'm 16 years old, but um, 
I thought, what the hell? I'm going to give it a go. Dude, I love that. It was actually that. like the second person I talked to they bought. And uh, I got good at playing that sympathy card, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, please, I want to play football. I'm good. I promise. I just, <laughs> I just can't afford it. Um, but yeah, so growing up, it was, if you want money, go figure it out. Okay. And then that led, I know, obviously how we met, it, it sounds like you've been knocking doors forever, but we met when you became, you were professionally knocking doors in, you know, smart home and then transition to solar. When did you get into that space? You know, what was the progression there? Yeah, I got in right when I, I came back from a, a two year LDS mission. Mm. You cut, you land back in Utah. That's where I'm from. And, uh, it's the door to door capital of the world. So I'm very fortunate that it is the door to door capital of the world. And, the first business I did, the company I worked for was Protection One. I wanted to do sales, but my friends that I also was wanting to bring out with me, they didn't want to do sales. They said, you know, it's too risky. So let's go do security installs. So we would, the first summer was security installs in Baltimore, lasted two weeks or two months. And I called a buddy up that was selling pest control in California and he already made 10 grand. And I was like, that was my whole summer goal is 10 grand, you know, and you made it in two months. Like, can I? can I please work for you? Like begging him. He's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to check. Maybe there's a spot. <laughs> uh, I didn't know they accepted anybody at the time. I was like, dude, if you can find me a spot, I will literally drive from Baltimore to California. I'll leave tomorrow. And he goes, and he called me back a few minutes later. He's like, yeah, dude, I got it. Are you for sure? in?" I'm like, I'm for sure. in." so I drove from Baltimore out, <laughs> out to <laughs> California, uh, in a day's notice to go do sales because I really wanted to take back the, I don't know. I don't want somebody else. I don't want to depend on somebody else to mm -hmm. make money and installing. I was, it's like, I can only install if the job sold or I can go knock an infinite amount of doors and figure it out. So I, I showed up to that first summer or midway through, I ended up still being the top rookie in that, in that office. Wow. Um, and there's a few offices I think out there because I, sh when I showed up, I had the whole pitch memorized. I had every single objection memorized the, the three different outcomes because I went there with that mindset of I'm going to be a professional salesperson. There's nothing that the top person is doing that I can't learn. I don't buy into the born salesperson mentality bullshit. I think that's nobody's born a doctor. You know, doctors make 250 or more a year. Nobody's born a doctor. Nobody's born a lawyer. Nobody's born a professional salesperson. It's a skill that is acquired. Um, and that mindset came from reading a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he talks about that yeah. in your 20s, yeah. work to learn, not to earn. So I set off and I thought, you know, if I don't make a dime, as long as I become an expert communicator, then I'm fine. And that was my mindset getting into it. So did two summers or two months um, with that, loved it. Next summer, I was like, okay, well, if I know how to sell, obviously I'm going to be an amazing manager. I recruited 40 dudes to move to North Carolina. Oh only to realize that because you're a good salesperson does not make you a good set manager. I hated manager managing because I was terrible at it. Um, but it, it yeah, is a totally know, different jump. I, I definitely freaking remember the first time I, I went from like selling to, to running like 30 rookies on your own. And you're like, Whoa, because not everybody has yep. the mindset that you just described, right? Not everybody comes in. Hey, I'm a professional salesperson. No one else has got to watch after or babysit me. And those are guys that just, you just inherently win in whatever you go into with that type of mindset, but kind of oh, just 
digging into that for a sec, obviously, I'm sure you learned a ton of lessons and we'll definitely chop that in. But when you came in with that mindset, what do you think was kind of the difference? Like, did you just inherently have that mindset to be able to say like, dude, if anyone else can figure it out, I can. Or were there uh, other than rich dad, poor dad, which did you read that before you went out? Or were there things that you were exposed to that like helped you understand like, dude, these are skills that you can I learn before I went out. Okay. I, I also did Cutco. I also oh, okay. did Cutco. That was my first like, you know, I showed up to an interview with like a, a, a shirt and a tie. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get a, my first real job out of high school. And it was 15 bucks an hour. And I was stoked. They hired me. And they're like, training starts next week. It's $15 an hour or commission, whichever one's higher. I was like, sweet. Training's next week. It's 40 hours. And I was like, awesome. Um, how do I get onboarded and paid or whatever the questions were? And they're like, oh, you don't get paid for training. I was like, what? What kind of scam is this? Like, You're not going to pay me for 40 hours? I'm not doing it then. And um, I grew up with my mom, but my dad was still around. So okay. I told my dad, you know, hey, I'm not going to do the job um, because I'm not going to go work for 40 hours for free. Like, what the freak? That's a scam. And he yeah. goes, there's people that tens of thousands of dollars for sales training and you're going to get it for free and you're going to turn it down. And I was like, oh, this is free sales training. Yeah. Um, so that was another mindset mindset shift. And then the, the rich dad, poor dad was, was another one. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was going to college and there's all these professions out there that you have to get degrees for. And I decided after I, I sold pest control for two months, I made $24,000 and I, I was like, sweet, this is, this is great. Yeah. Um, next summer I'm going to make more money. And if I'm going to, if I expect to make more money by making 12 grand a month as a rookie, um, and I expect to make that plus more then I need to dedicate the same amount of time mm -hmm. as I was going to, to become a doctor because I was, I was doing pre-med. I was one semester away from graduating before I dropped out and I was going to go to eight years of school, three years of residency, $200,000 in debt to make 250 a year. Well, the second summer I went out, I made 250 in four and a half months. Wow. Um, and I'm like, okay, again, further evidence, I guess, that if I'm going to make more money than a doctor in less amount of time, I need to be committed to the same level of education that I was in, in traditional schooling. And I was just a freaking animal for sales knowledge, like podcasts, uh, books. I was repeating. I mean, I didn't even like driving out with people and I like driving out an hour yeah. because I just listen to things and I pause it and then I'd repeat it to myself and then pause it and then repeat it to myself, then rewind it. And I gave up music for a few years because music wasn't going to help me progress. I definitely, I definitely did I that. Know. People think I'm crazy. I remember my second year coming in, everyone would get in the car with me like, dude, can we please turn the book off? And I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm freaking trying to figure something out, dude. You're just going to have to suck it up for yeah. a second because I, I need to learn something here. <laughs> I, and and that's, that's, the, that's the difference. So, and I'm super grateful that I adopted that, that mindset of like, we can listen to music and then an hour later, nothing has progressed. I mean, yeah, you know, there's, there's benefit in entertainment. I'm not going to downplay that. Oh, yeah. Before, I just ignored it. You know, entertainment, I don't care. I, I need to be a professional sales, salesperson. If you want to be professional at something, you know, people say 10,000 hours. Yeah. Well, do you want to spend 10,000 hours over 10 years or over three years or over 50 years? 
because you learn and as you learn, then your ability to make money goes up and then you learn and your ability to make money goes up and up and up and up. So why not start up here, right? Right. Why, why not start learning, learning, learning as you're, and then you make so much more money quicker if you learn quicker. So that was just very clear to me. And I think it should be clear to everybody. Right. But it's, but it's not, that's just how my brain thinks. It's like, well, of course, yeah. if, if after a thousand hours of studying, I'm going to become, you know, 80% efficient, I'm going to do a thousand hours tomorrow. Because if I'm going to freaking knock doors every day, I may as well know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm not wasting my time. So I just ate up all the knowledge I can get. This is kind of a side change, but you just, you said something that like sparked the thought and the question I know I get, I get asked this a ton. So I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. You were, you're going to medical school or you're getting ready to go to medical mm -hmm. school, right? You're pre-med and you just make a quarter million bucks. And you just said, you know, the more you learn, the more you earn, which I think is, I couldn't agree more, but I feel you and I, we both dropped out of school and pursued sales, entrepreneurial journeys. And I, I feel that there is more actual learning that is correlated to earning outside of school in the formal education standpoint, unless you're going pre-med, dentist, you know, lawyer or engineering. How did you analyze and like come to grips with the fact like, hey, I, I think that there's this whole self-education, there's this business education, life education side that I can get faster. Um, I had a stupid history class. So what is this? helping me with you know i enjoyed the science classes i enjoyed chemistry and biology they were tough but i but i do like the science behind mm -hmm. it all but how's that make how's that making me a better husband father breadwinner business owner it's not you know yeah um so can i still learn that today yeah you can go to khan academy that's really what i was you know you, you go to a boring lecture and then you go back to khan academy and online and then it teaches you everything. And if I want to go learn biology today, I can, yeah. you know, but why am I going to have somebody else dictate how much I, I can learn at what pace I can learn when I've learned it, when I can move on, when mm -hmm. I haven't, it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to decide that I know me more than anybody else. So I'm going to put my trust in me, not in professor. Dude, I, I love that. Do you feel that that's something like, at least I feel, and I know as you went into management, I'm sure we've all experienced this, that people have a really hard time like jumping that gap of betting on their own ability to learn faster than like on their own directed channel yeah. than they can in an institution with somebody just giving them A, B, C, D. Have you found anything that's like, hey, help somebody bridge that gap? Because I feel like most of us as entrepreneurs are trying to figure out how to get people to jump that thing quicker. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is inherent and into your drive and your motivation. Why do I have more drive than somebody else? I don't know. It's genetics and environment, neither of which I controlled. So I can't, I can't give an answer to that. Yeah. I got fortunate that I have this and it's brought me financial success. I'm unfortunate that I have it because sometimes I work too much, right? There's, there's trade-offs to everything. Um, seeing people, I guess, to answer this latter part of the question, how do you help other people see that? and bet on themselves. Um, it's kind of just go, go try it. Mm -hmm. like you have to go try it. Why? I mean, how much money are you? What's your salary? You tell me your salary, then that's how much you're worth. It's like, so what if you want to make more money? Are you going to go interview for other jobs? Maybe you ask for a 10% raise. What if you want to, what if you want to 10 X your income? Like I did, 
you know, I went from 24,000 to 250,000 in a year. It's crazy. I can't do that unless, unless I did, I'm the one who determines how much I make yeah. and just really seeing that, um, I think it's easy to see if you present it correctly, the harder part is being brave enough to take the leap. And yeah. then to bridge that gap, it's again, show me any, any sales technique that somebody making a million dollars is using that I can't learn. Show me one. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I can learn how to build rapport. I can learn how to adjust the tonality and the speed of my pitch and how to set up anchors. And I can learn all of that. There's, there's nothing out there and people need to also learn that people, there's a big thing of you're, you're, you're born as a salesperson or you're not. I hate like, that. No, you're not. No, you're not. Again, show me any skill from the best salesperson in the world that's making 10 million a year on sales. Show me what skills they're doing that I'm not able to learn. And when you phrase it like that, who's going to disagree with you? Mm -hmm. Right? It's, it's just a different mindset. And if you phrase it correctly, then it gets other people thinking, hmm, maybe I can learn that. And how quickly can you learn that compared to how quickly can you be a doctor? Then it's even <laughs> like, ooh, that's exciting. Not only can I learn it, yes, it's hard, but I can learn a hell of a lot quicker than it takes me to be, you know, even an accounting degree at four years. Like, can learn to be a professional salesperson way quicker than that oh yeah dude i i agree with the telling stuff you're saying and then just jumping back into your story obviously i think everyone's at this point's like okay dude you just made 25 250,000 bucks your second year like you're you're kind of killing the game at a really young age and you start scaling up at what point do you start looking and saying hey i'm making this crazy money in sales and i think this is a question a lot of people start to ask themselves is how do i know when i'm good enough to like go start my own venture or should I just be content like where I'm at? Cause obviously you're making great money. You're, you really are your own boss in, in the type of sales that we're in and you have pretty good control over your capacity to create income. But how did you know, Hey, now's the time in my life that this pivot actually makes sense and I'm, and I'm capable to execute. This is going to go against most, uh, sales manager's advice, at least <laughs> you, you're the 80, 20 principle, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to learn if I work for Ty, I'm going to learn 80% of what you have to offer me in the first six months, right? I can be with you for 10 years and learn 95% of what you have to teach me in 10 years, or I can go find 10 mentors mm. in a matter of six years and work from each for six months and get 80% of the knowledge. So it's, it's, I was one of the, one of the business owners called me a puddle jumper. <laughs> Because I, I sold pest control for Aptiv or Altera at the time for two months. Then I switched over to Sage, did a full summer. Then I then I thought, okay, well, I know I could go make a quarter million dollars again. But I didn't like it. I didn't like pest control. I didn't love it. I didn't love the management style. So I'm going to try something else and risk that money. But if I can now go learn to sell satellite door to door, and AT&T and learn from a different set of leadership in a different company, who cares if I don't make 250? What if I only make 100? Hmm. What if I only make 50? Like, but how much more am I gonna learn? Okay, so that was the second year, or I guess my third year in the summer. So two months with Aptiv, um, five months with Sage. The next year I did two months with, I forgot the name of the company, um, Excite Satellite. Okay. Just two months with them. There, it was a sub dealer for AT&T. AT&T changed pay structure. Anyways, I got recruited to Vivint halfway through that summer. So same thing. 
Can I make more money if I stay out with satellite? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Am I going to learn more switching to Vivint and sw selling a new product under new leadership, under new entity? Hmm. 100% will. So I, I did Vivint for two months. And I think I sold like 160 accounts or something. Made great <laughs> money on personal sales um, in those two months. And then the next year, I went out again with Vivint to do the full summer. Same thing. It was great. Then, and I made over a quarter million again. And um, then solar presented itself. And I thought, I don't even need to recruit anymore to make 250 at Vivint, you know, yeah. selling door to door. I, well, that's cool. You know, I don't have to recruit 40 dudes. I could just go out myself and make that much money. Yeah. Um, so why would I risk it all for solar? Because solar installs are so long and solar summers don't exist and blah, 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 blah. 80 20 principle. Am I going to? What, what am I going to learn more as a person that's going to benefit me long term? I don't care about the difference between 50 grand and 250 grand when you're 23. You don't need it. 50 grand is all you need to yeah. live whatever life you need to live, you know, or mm -hmm. 70 grand, whatever the number is. Um, who am I get? Who am I becoming? Okay. So again, I risked it all again because I'm, I, I saw solar as a more professional sell. I suck at follow up. I hate follow-up. I love the door-to-door. -door. I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes. You're going to sign a pest control contact. Bye. I'm not even giving you my freaking number. See you I don't never. want you calling me. You know, <laughs> I love that. But that's not professional sales. Mm -hmm. That's not professional communication. That's not professional business. Yeah. Solar is a month-long process that everybody sold. You know, it takes a, a, a month to install a solar account. They can cancel any time. So you have to remain in contact, blah, 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 all of which I hate. But I'm like, but I need to learn that. So of course I'm going to do it because if I want to do medical devices, I don't know what I want to sell. Yeah. What is more similar to professional sales? Is it solar or is it Vimit? It was solar hands mm. down. So I went and did solar, did it for two months, loved it again, making more money in less time without recruits. And then at that point I thought I can do this myself. Kind of, it was, it was my brother that called me and he said, Hey, how's it going? I said, you know, made 50 grand working four hours a day, you know, in my first month, not knowing what I'm doing. Um, he goes, how about let's do it online? So we did a little bit of tests here and there, um, hired some people out of the Philippines, hired another guy to, to do leads. So leads would come in, people out of the Philippines that I trained would call the, call them and say, Hey, you know, we can give you a free solar proposal, blah, blah, blah. I need your utility bill. They set the appointment, hmm. they confirm the appointment the day of, I drive out to the appointment. I did 18 appointments in this trial run. I closed 16 of them. The first set wow. you're making like eight to 10 grand an yeah. appointment, right? I closed the 17th one on the second sit and I never got the 18th one. And I was like, I didn't have to knock a door for this. Wow. I just had to pay, you know, a few grand, um, and spend time on training. Okay. Well, now let's go scale this. So I, I was fortunate that I have a brother that's 13 years older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just, that's all he's ever done is entrepreneurship. He bought a franchise when he was like 22 years old. Uh, and that's just all he's ever done. So I found a really good partner Yeah. on that first business within 18 months, we built and sold that company. And then that gave me even more courage to go do the next business, which was dirty dough. Um, which, which I know you introduced me as the founder. Um, I, cause that's my title, but I didn't found it. It, uh, I, I purchased it. I purchased it and then okay. I franchised it and scaled it. And now we're, one of the largest, fastest growing franchises, not only today, but in the history of retail franchises. Um, wow. And, and all of those other things gave me that confidence to yeah. kind of take that next step. Dude, 
it, it's so interesting because I, I, I feel like in our space, and you know a ton of dudes have come from this space, there's so many people that go through the door-to-door sales route and then go start something. And I feel like there, there's just no coincidence of the, I don't know, the mindsets, the grit, just the determination that people get to like figure out how to win. If you can knock on somebody's door at cold contact and make 250,000 bucks in a summer, like you can probably go figure out how to get some revenue in your doors of your business. Yeah. And then just it's the risk it mentality, right? It's, yeah. It's the bet on yourself mentality. Commission only sells. That's, that's what it is. Commission only sells, gets you immune to nose. Um, it doesn't get you immune to know. I still get nervous. If, if you asked me to go sell solar today, I would get anxiety around it. I, but you I just do it anyway. I sweat and I, I know, because it's like, what if I lost my sales ability? You know, what, whatever happens in <laughs> mine. But um, either way, I know after knocking tens of thousands of doors and getting tens of thousands of no's and still being alive that I can handle a few more. Yeah, dude, I, I love that. And I think that I obviously, I don't own any franchise. I do a ton of real estate bigger like multifamily commercials on the side but i feel like my courage from door to door has really helped me in that arena of just like dude i don't know all the elements but i'll figure it out along the way and i'll find a way to move without like putting myself in a situation where shit will just hit the fan (laughs) yeah that and the problem solving i mean dude knocking doors and they're in contracts with adt and you're calling adt what the what's the buyout and you're writing them a check you're like whatever and they're like oh but this camera and it's like oh well, well the vivid camera is too expensive i'm gonna buy you a camera off of amazon and install it because there's no monthly fee and it's still a 1080 camera and blah 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 it's you figure it out and you get the sell done and then that's what entrepreneurism is you figure it out you know so it's just that problem solving that i think carries over and why so many entrepreneurs are coming from that space Dude, that, that makes so much, you just articulate it so well. Cause it is so funny when you start to think about like when you really become good at closing and some of the things that you come up with in a, in a customer's home, you're like, that's not in the framework. That's not in that. You're like, dude, you're just so committed to serving somebody. And you're like, we just have to find whatever scenario makes this make sense. And, and there's some missing cameras, puzzle piece. <laughs> Ye cameras. Why I cameras on Amazon, you buy four of them for 120 bucks. They literally, I mean, I use them myself because I was using them as baby monitors. There's no monthly fee and it's, and it's night vision, you know, two-way communication, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Hey, let me give you four cameras at no cost to you. Um, it is going to be a different app. It's not part of a Vivint system. This is a Bennett system that I'm going to order for you and install <laughs> the custom Amazon. deal with us. Um, it has nothing to do with Vivint. You can't call Vivint support for this, yeah. but I, now I can get you four cameras plus your doorbell camera on a separate app and your security system. You're gonna be paying 60 bucks for that and nothing for the cameras. It only cost me 110 bucks or 120 bucks. And, uh, you know, I made $800 on the deal. Yeah. All it's day. an easy exchange. I was, I was buying, I was e cameras number one freaking supplier, dude. <laughs> You're wholesaling <laughs> e cameras. Uh, dude, that's freaking awesome. And then just obviously, dude, just, you're, you're crushing the game. You're learning all these skill sets. You're, you're learning sales. You're learning everything. But then, dude, you pivot into cookies. You buy a cookie franchise. Like, what, what possesses you at this point? You're playing in smart home, pests, solar, all of these direct-to-consumer products. How do you then say, okay, all of the skill sets that I have, well, let's go throw it into this cookie arena? I mean, what, what does pest and satellite have to do with each other? I mean, satellite and smart home and smart home and solar. The only commonality is sales and yeah. primary marketing door to door. They're all different. So again, and this was in 2015, I started pest control and 2019, I worked for that solar company. Okay. So this is four years, five years. Well, it's a lot quicker than I thought. Years, 
I worked for four different companies selling three, four different products or three different products. Um, how much confidence does that give me? Right. So again, could I have made more money if I stuck with the pest control and grew a region and that, that a hundred percent I could have, but can I be sitting on a company that's worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars now, if I would have played the short game? No, because mm. I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. So that's where that 80, 20 principle of yeah. jump around, get as much information and as much, um, skill as you can and realize that always the value is front loaded. And no matter what you do, you'll always gain more value in the first few months compared to 10 years. So take as much value as you can and then move on to the next, realizing that you're still leaving value on the table, but that's okay because you're going to learn faster in a different organization, selling a different product. That's interesting. So that's, that gave me just a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence because I've still never made a batch of cookies, but <laughs> it's the same, it's the same thing, right? You, you have a product and you sell it and then you perform it and make sure that the service is good. Um, so, and I just listened to a podcast that said true wealth is buying real estate and businesses. And mm -hmm. I had maybe had rental properties at the time, never purchased a business. So I just rolled the dice and I thought, what the hell, I'm going to try it again. <laughs> what is this cookie guy doing that I'm buying this business from? What does he know that I can't learn? Yeah, nothing. Like I truly believe there's nothing that he was doing that I can't learn. Um, and, and, and that's just my attitude. So I, I feel like I can go learn anything. I just have to assess how much I believe I have to learn, how long it'll take me to learn that. Um, and, and then is the compensation worth that trade off? Yeah. And then obviously you come in and I know I've, I've talked to you personally about your franchise, but you, you, you not only like learned it, but you really disrupted and innovated upon a model, obviously the crumble, the chips, the, all the insomnia cookies, but you made it, you went away from the owner operated. You wanted to be more of owning a business. How did you come in? You know, obviously you don't ran a solar company, but how do you build out that model? What's the process? How do you like become a franchiser? Yeah. Um, ask a hundred people <laughs> Good advice from everybody. There, there's this, there's this notion that sometimes goes around of you have a business idea, but you don't want to talk about it because what if somebody's going to steal your business idea? I got fortunate that I took a startup course and he said, that's stupid. Tell everybody your idea, huh. even if you're patent pending, even if you don't have patents, even if other people can do it, who freaking cares? Nobody's going to copy you. If they had the drive to do it, they would have already done it anyway. Nobody's just waiting for the best idea and they're like, oh, I'm going to jump on that. You know, that's actually so pretty good. Way yeah. before I was a franchise, I told everybody what I was doing. Hey, I just bought this cookie company. I'm going to franchise it. I'm going to centralize the production to reduce labor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to reduce costs by half. I'm going to reduce labor in half. I'm going to increase the, the, uh, the quality of the cookie and do the world's first three layer cookie. What do you think? Would you buy a franchise? Yes, I would, but that's too expensive or that's bad or that market this. And I just get massive amounts of feedback. And then, oh, I don't know how to do that, but hey, I know somebody else who does. Hey, I know somebody else who does. And then one of the guys who helped me out a ton was the owner of Everbowl. And I just hit him up on Instagram and I said, hey, about this company, I'm, I'm interested in franchising it. And, you know, we both live in San Diego. Love to meet up. And he said, okay. Wow. So I, I met up with him and he said, that idea is terrible. My first idea was I was going to sell you five franchises. 
that first franchise is going to be your production facility, then you, but you have to run it as a franchisee. You have to buy the machines that are a few hundred grand. Then you have to buy the trucks to then deliver to your other five stores because that's never going to work. So I'm glad I got his feedback yeah. be, before I actually franchised it. Um, and then I bought on advisors. I built an advisory board, giving them equity of a, you, you give advisors typically a half, maybe a quarter percent to so percent I, and a I'm, half over I'm a like, two year vesting period. I'm bamboozled at the point. And cause at this point though, right? Like you just DM a guy who's the owner of Everbull, who is just like a flourishing franchise. And he just kind of like, I, I don't know, you could, I could call it sheer luck or like just the magnetic yes. you're, you're dominating so that he's just like, dude, I'll take a sit with you. Um, but are you hiring coaches? Are you participating in mentorship programs at this point? Like, cause you're in a, I mean, not so a completely advisors. new arena, but like, how do you get introduced to Advisory these people? Board. Um, the first guy I got was a, a, a guy that I took a course from and he's teaching me and he, his first company was valued at $31 billion from the public. It was called Infospace. Holy crap. And then he did Omniture. He was an investor and advisor that sold to Adobe for 1.8 billion and a lot of other companies at several hundred million. And he's saying, you got to build a board of advisors. And it's like, well, I can't afford that. I don't have a profitable company. You don't need a profitable company. You just need to get people and you give them equity, hmm. a quarter percent to a percent and a half. And it's like, well, that's worth nothing. I don't have a profitable company, you know, but can I pitch them on the vision of what huh. I can potentially become? So I got him as an advisor and I gave him a percent and a half of a company that was worth nothing. Right. And that percent and a, a, a half is still subject to a two year vesting period. And hasn't been, he hasn't been with me for two years. He's amazing. But if he ceased to serve the company and serve me as a, the business owner, then I can say, Hey, John, thank you for everything that you've done. It's been a year. So instead of getting, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm letting you go as an advisor. I only have to give him a, a, a half of that equity because only half of it's vested. Yeah. Um, so I would only end up parting with, you know, 0.75% equity. Anyways, I gave him a percent and a half that he will earn over the two years. Um, cause he's doing a phenomenal job. Then he says, Hey, I have a buddy that I was his advisor. He owns property management Inc. It's the largest property management franchise in the nation. Would you be interested in having him as an advisor? Hell yeah, I would. You know, <laughs> hook, hook it up. Put us in a so group message. He came on as an advisor. And then, and then got another guy that has the largest franchise podcast in the nation, in the world. You know, the largest franchise mastermind group in the world and franchisee mastermind group in the world. And got him as an advisor, you know. And, and, then, and then I also hit up Jill, who's our CEO. And I asked her to be advisor because she's been in the game for 40 years as CEO of a franchise or brand in the food space. Jeez. Like, how more niche can you get? And yeah. I said, Jill, I need another advisor. And she goes, you don't need another advisor. You need me to run this. And I said, is that an option? <laughs> she says, yes. She goes, I'm bored where I'm at. And I was like, all right, what, when can we start? And uh, didn't have money to pay her, but I still own my solar company. So I thought, okay, um, after we negotiated salary and then and commissions and all of that. And I was like, okay, well, I still don't have money to pay her unless I start selling franchises this month. Are more people going to buy franchises with her being the face of the company or me? Her, of course. This yeah. is again, she's seasoned. She's got a track record. Yeah. She's opened up 800 franchises um, in the food. And of course they're going to trust her. Now, what if they don't though? And what if my plan fails and now I'm stuck paying her salary and I can't afford it. I'm going to go knock doors. Because my time is better spent knocking doors, paying an expert to run my company, 
than me trying to figure it out, right? Because I don't know how to do it. So luckily, I never had to knock another door, though, because we started selling franchises. And fast forward 16 months, we sold 335 franchises. Holy and cow. It worked. It worked. The plan worked, right? It's get experts in there um, and take advice. Talk to freaking everybody you meet. Tell them what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody's going to do what I did because it cost $2 million before we opened up a freaking franchise. Nobody's going to go invest that amount of money on a model that hasn't been proven yet. But I did because I saw the vision and I believed in it. I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell everybody every single step that I did to create Dirty Dough. Nobody's going to go do it, though, because they don't mm. have the ability to drive the nerve, the balls, whatever, the craziness that I had. Um, oh, dude, I think there's a, there's, there's a whole mix of stuff. I, I'm, I'm taking notes yeah, as you're talking so, about this. Like, dude, I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Nail It, Then Scale It. it no, I've heard of it. I, I, kind I, of an I all, throw all, that on my list. Yeah, dude, it's super good. Just case studies on why certain businesses fail or, or, or succeed. And you, 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 I, maybe you just like accidentally stumbled. I think the door to door space kind of like breeds it into you. Cause it's just like, just go hit, hit, hit until you learn to pitch. But basically the whole principle of, you know, beta test everything before you actually build and then beta test the next step before you actually build and get all the counsel advice and kind of just like stress test as much as you can before you like invest as much. But your, yep. your cre creativity throughout the, the, the process is crazy. I do want to unpack a little bit though. So you, you end up buying a course from this dude who owns a $31 billion company. And I think this is a piece. And then from what you said, it sounded like that kind of like chain reacted into a bunch of networking that ultimately led to like Jill, who now is running the CEO. And it's like, these are the people that became your Avengers team to build Dirty Dell. Walk me through like, yep. when, when did you, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of the same mindset, but I think a lot of people have this, this connotation like, man, I'll pay for coaching. I'll pay for all that stuff or relationships or all network when I'm a guy, like when, when I'm that dude that these people want to do. How did you like jump into that space? And like, dude, I need to meet these people. I'm good enough to meet these people. I'm good enough to speak and do business with these people. How'd you like cross that threshold? Take mushrooms, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Get into your mind and, and figure out your mindset. Um, I'm only half joking on that. I started seeing a therapist when I sold my solar company. Okay. Because I realized very quickly that I was still overworking. And I told myself I was working nights and weekends because it was going to be worth it because and then I was going to sell the solar company and then I was going to have cash plus my rental properties and the passive investment. And with that cash, then I have more free time, which I'm going to then vacation with my family and being with my family makes me happy. Two weeks later, I'm working nights and weekends. And it's like, what the hell was the last five years of grinding my ass off for if I have everything I wanted? And I'm still Doing sacrificing the same my health and my relationships. So that caused me to start looking inward on myself and my mindset, coming up with a mission statement of who I am, what are my core values? What is my legacy? I wrote my own obituary. What am I going to be known for when I'm dead? Um, I asked lots of close friends and family, you know, tell me what my core values are. The number one core value was hard work. Hard work is not my core value though. I don't care. I don't value hard work. I think, um, Pablo Escobar probably wasn't the nicest guy killed a lot of people, but he was a hard worker. Work super right? hard, yeah. I mean, hmm. there's a lot of hard workers out there. Hitler was probably a it, hard work was probably on the top of his list as well. I don't value that though. What I valued after getting a therapist, 
and looking inward was I'm here for joy and fulfillment. I want to have a joyful life and I want to be fulfilled. I think you need both of those. And I threw in despite life's dirtiness, despite life's dirtiness. One, it's a play on words with dirty dough, but two, it's life's not going to be perfect. Do mm -hmm. not wait for life to be perfect in order to find the joy and fulfillment. And it has to be had every day. It has to be had now. So my mission statement is to find joy and fulfillment despite life's dirtiness in myself and others. I need to focus on myself first, then I'm gonna help as many people as possible. That was a big mindset shift. And then when I go to these advisors or CEOs or investors, it, I, I'm, it's clear. This is my mission statement and to find as much joy and fulfillment as possible for myself and for as many people as I can, it's built on two pillars. One is mental health. If you wanna be happy and fulfilled, it's all in your mind. Mm. So it's all around mental health. And, and, and if you look at our company, it's everything's mental health related. We care about your feelings. That's the first thing you see when you store, when you walk into a dirty dough. And, it, and it's cute, it's fun, it's playful. Um, and then it says, and then as soon as you walk in, you see what's on the inside matters most. And we do two layer cookies, three layer cookies, stuffed cookies, and it's fighting against the Instagram effect of here's your the perfect life of what your buddy's living, which is false and fake, but our brains, our subconscious doesn't know that. And we're like, shoot, I'm not where Ty's at on social media. I'm gonna feel bad about myself. And then, you know, that's anxiety, depression, sadness. So we're going against this. Dirty Dough is not a good looking, it's, it's not a perfect looking cookie, but it's sure as hell good. Yeah. The sweetness is on the inside. And then we, we partnered that with Life is Sweet Foundation and we're, we're funding a wellness center for every franchise we open that's so a cool. mindfulness room in a K through 12 school to help kids identify emotions and then what they can do to regulate emotions, whether it's guided meditation, breathing exercises, um, gratitude cards, coloring a fidget spinner, whatever works for you. I'm going to educate millions of kids, um, in this, in these mindfulness rooms, but that's clear. That's a, that's a, that's a vision. That's my first pillar. My second pillar in, in finding joy and fulfillment is, entrepreneurism. That's what I'm passionate about. And it's given me so much empowerment. How can I help as many people as possible be an entrepreneur? Well, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? You need a game plan, you need time, money and expertise. How do I simplify all of that? So more people can be entrepreneurs? Well, I've created the most simple franchise model in the food industry that's ever existed. In my opinion, nobody's fought me with it. But it really is you grab a cookie puck that we ship to you, we make, yeah, put it in the oven, give it to a customer like one employee, less than a thousand square feet. So the game plan, boom, solid. How much time does it require to run this business? Number one time consumption for businesses is employees typically. Well, we reduce the labor by half because there's no more mixing, there's no more hand weighing, there's no more, it's just what I said, cookie, oven, give it to customer. So we only have one or two employees. So the time required is a lot less. The money, you don't need a big space. You don't need to store raw ingredients. You don't need mixers. We do all of that for you. So now we're less than half the cost of a competition. What about the expertise? You do not need to be an expert baker because you will never measure flour, right? Mm. I've completely taken that up the mix. So that's the second pillars. How can we empower people through entrepreneurism by lowering the barrier of entry and allowing more people to take control and take that leap to say, hey, you can be an entrepreneur. Maybe you can be an entrepreneur, I should say, in this model, and it's a lot easier. And then maybe that's going to give them confidence to either go to a different business venture or maybe scale and buy multiple uh, of, of these stores. But it's I've, I've taken forever to answer your question, but that was my mission. 
because I looked inward on who yeah. I wanted to be and who I wanted to be known for when I died. And then I got clarity on the pillars and all of that. And how did it all come? Well, I was on a hundred podcasts as a guest. And every time I say it, it gets better and better and yeah. better. Clarity as you talk um, about it. It sounds clear. Yes. And again, I talked to everybody about it and it just, now it just flows and people want to see a vision and clarity. Mm. It doesn't matter if you have a business that's nothing. If you know where you want to be, you don't even know how you're going to do it necessarily, but you know what you want to be and you have a good cause. You believe in your cause and you're passionate. People will get behind it because they can sense that passion. And I am a thousand percent passionate about what I'm doing. Like I feel like I can change millions of lives through giving people a good income stream mm -hmm. and teaching people about mental health, both of which are going to lead to more joy and fulfillment. Dude, I, I like that a ton. I just, I know we're, we're getting short on time. I, you said something that's interesting. You're super, super passionate about entrepreneurism. And I feel that your whole story is a scale of your journey as an entrepreneur. And it's obviously brought you some fulfillment and some clarity. And I personally have a lot of very, very positive feelings about pushing people to be entrepreneurs in just kind of closing. What do you think it is about like being an entrepreneur or that you've learned in an entrepreneurial journey that brings fulfillment or that is kind of like the root of that passion? Um, creativity and creation, right? If I, if I can go come up with an idea and execute on an idea, maybe I failed, but at least I, but I learned and I'm becoming a better person and I'm evolving as an entrepreneur. Again, I, I, as long as I have that mindset, every decision I make is good, right? Because if it was a bad decision, I learned from it, which is therefore a good decision. Mm -hmm. If it was a good decision, it made me money uh, or got me more clients or whatever I needed. But I can't lose if I'm focusing on progression, right? So, and I think entrepreneurism, is, it's all about progression. Yes. Yeah. In my mind is. I, I agree. I can't really speak to a W2 job. So, you know, I... I could just speak to the entrepreneurism, but I, I imagine it's a little bit harder as a W2 to be like, hey, I want to go create my own thing. I want to go problem solve and trial and error and create something that's mine. I don't I don't feel like that happens that much. No, I agree. I, I think the last thing you said, I, for me at least, I think it a lot of my passion is in, in the progress. And then this sounds kind of weird, and I like am a little careful the way I say it, but control. I I feel like I have this desire, like I want to to have the option to go big and, and, and to impact at any time I want to and just to do anything I want, go as far as I want and find out like what I'm made of. I don't know if you resonate with that at all or hundred percent. If if I'm working, even if I'm the C level executive, you know, can I say that I'm gonna open up a thousand wellness centers within five years along with a thousand open franchises, empower hundreds of mm -hmm. franchisees with great business models and educate millions of kids. How can I say that if I'm not an entrepreneur? I, I don't think I can. Yeah. Like that's the only way to, to get a vision big enough and then get confidence. And every time I say it, the vision gets a little bit bigger and I get more confident in it. Um, but for me, I love it. Dude, I absolutely I, love it. I love it. Well, just in closing remarks, and we want to we want to get you out of here, dude. It's, I've taken a ton of notes and, and there's a ton of nuggets in here from your story and just your journey. But just for the audience, there's a lot of people that are, you know, starting their sales journey, starting their entrepreneurial journey, or they're like thinking about it. That would be a lot of the target audience, people just trying to find the way. What would just be kind of your closing remarks um, that you would give to somebody? Hey, as you're starting this, just if you can put yourself in this frame or just your closing remarks that would give somebody an edge as they're getting in. Yeah. Um, 
the work to learn, not to earn, is, is huge. I was hoping you'd say really, that. I thought I, that was I so good. Door, you knock the door. We both don't get to sell. I don't get to sell because I get the objection of you're the 12th solar guy that knocked on my door. You don't get to sell. I don't know why you don't get to sell, right? But what am I going to do? I'm working to learn not to earn. So my next approach, I'm going to knock the door and say, hey, I know I'm the 12th guy at your door, but blah, 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 blah. Guess what they're not going to say to me? I could guarantee you they're never going to say to me. They're not going to say, hey, you're the 12th guy that knocked on my door. Well, no shit. I just said that, right? So I'm constantly, I don't see that last sell as a failure. I see it as a learning point to now craft a better pitch so I can help more people go green, save money with $0 down because I was very passionate about solar as well. Dude, I love but it. That, that mindset is super important. I love it. That, that would be from all this, I think a huge, huge takeaway for everybody listening. And if there's anything that, that we talked about, if you want to learn more about Dirty Dough, where can people follow you or keep track of all the, the, the massive stuff that you're doing, bro? Um, I have a website, Bennett Maxwell, first and last name, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, uh, BennettMaxwell.com. And then it has links to all my socials on there. I do post, you know, one or two times a day, um, try to really push out good content, encouraging people on mental health, work-life balance. Um, I kind of got into that a little bit, but like I, I don't work past five. I don't work weekends anymore. I'm not a workaholic. That's incredible. Um, I, spend, I, I spend time with my family and put them first. And I'm very proud of that. Same thing with great relations with the friends. But I put out content daily on all of this, as well as building businesses and advisory boards and investing and all that. Um, and then dirtydoe.com, if anybody's interested in franchising, you can apply there. Love it, dude. Well, we appreciate you uh, you coming on and, and sharing some time with us, and we'll catch you guys next time on The Money Game. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. Real money. Real money. Money is the answer. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time on The Money Game. Money. Money. Yes!